step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and I should be joined with a co-host in the next few minutes, but as for the meantime, you'll just have to listen to me. I apologize for that, but it's been a while since we've been on air full-time. Before long, we'll be starting back. Wednesday and Sunday evenings from 8.30 p.m. Eastern to 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Just hope everybody had a good week. Hope everybody is ready to talk some sports tonight. And want to start off start off the show on a on a sad note and a and a positive note as well. But on Tuesday of this past week, we lost a valued member of the family. Um, my wife Michelle uh, lost her her granddad, Papa Smith. Buddy Smith, his name, he's a listener of the show, he's a dear friend, a great granddad, just everything a man should be. He passed away, went on to be with the Lord Tuesday, and that's the good news is, you know, we never have to worry where Buddy is and what what legacy he left behind, but it's just been a real difficult time for the family. Even though we know we have peace knowing where people end up, it's still still very hard uh, for the people left behind, especially when you left a legacy that Buddy left. And I met Buddy. He's been in my life for nine years, about nine years, and it's been a great nine years knowing that, that I had him to to talk to if I ever needed to, getting to spend time with him, his lovely wife, Carol, the uh, best grandmother in the world, too. She survived this, and and everybody on the show, make sure you keep her in your prayers. But it's just, Shows everybody this is this last month has shown me a lot, especially when it comes to to family. How important having a strong connection with your family is. And remember, family doesn't have to be blood. I'm, I'm closer to people that that's not my blood than I am with people that that I share the same DNA with. But if you have somebody out there you, you haven't spoken with them in a while, mom, dad, anybody. Make sure you. You work on getting that relationship better because one thing about that Smith family and my family, so I call them my family because they are, but it's the strongest family that I've ever witnessed, ever seen. And I'm from a big family, you know. I thought I had a strong family, and and I do. But when I look at these, this family, the way they handle adversity, the way they handle just this tragedy, and it's all about God. It's all about love, and it's all about each other. And that's how Buddy lived his life. Service was perfect yesterday, and it, I mean, nothing we could say would be enough to to honor this man, but, you know, all you hear is legacy, honor, integrity, and and the rock. Buddy was the rock of this family, and 
it's up to everybody else in this family to make sure we we leave a good mark on that name. So again, we just want to send our condolences to to Carol, Memal Smith, and Becky, Lori, Lisa, and Boyd. Those are their surviving children, a million grandchildren that all did a great job at the service yesterday. And I know you're going to miss Buddy. I'm going to miss Buddy. I always look forward to Sunday nights or Wednesday whenever I was doing a show. He didn't make every show, but he, he made a lot of them. But it was always good to see his number pop up and know him and Matt Paul were listening. And I know they're listening tonight. I know Papa's in heaven uh, with my son, Emerson. So I love you guys. And if you're listening out there, just know that, that I'll be praying for you and we'll get through this together as a family. And now on to the sports world. It's been a long time since really I've I've been paying attention to sports, but one thing I have been paying attention to, the NBA Finals, did get to watch the majority and Cuervo's on the line. I'll bring him on in just a moment to discuss the NBA Finals winner, Golden State, 4-2 to two over Cleveland and you know, I was pulling for Cleveland in this series, Cuervo. I don't, I don't know about you. I know, I know you can't stand LeBron James, but to me, I, I had no choice but to pull for LeBron James in this series. Am I crazy, or, or what's going on? Well, first of all, uh, good evening, Keith Harvin. It's been a while, so it's good to hear from you again. Um, but uh, you know what? You're, you're not the only one. I, I actually uh, was pulling for. Uh, Cleveland as well, and um, well, I shouldn't say pulling for Cleveland, but that's who I picked to win the the series, uh, just because of the fact that they do have LeBron James on their team, who is the best player in the world, as he as he let everybody know. Uh, but you know that, and and that was uh, obviously everyone that picked Cleveland, um, you know, that was assuming that Kyrie Irving was going to play in that series, and then he goes down after Game One and. It's, and it went downhill from there. So, um, you know, it, it, a lot of things changed for Cleveland, but, um, you know, they just didn't have enough talent on that team to overcome all the all the shooting that Golden State uh, is capable of doing. So it just kind of – that's just – things kind of unfolded. So, yeah, I was, I, I picked Cleveland as well. So you're not the only one. Well, you know, and, and I'm what, what upsets me is I was pulling for Cleveland. Until you know they lost, and and LeBron James's comments, and I know you, I heard your comments on it yesterday, but for him to come out, give no credit to Golden State, really, just to make excuses, you know, to say uh, they just had more talent. That's that's a slap in the face, and to also say he doesn't worry about anything. He's the greatest player in the world. I mean, come on. I mean, yes, you are the best player in the NBA, but by him saying that shows me, Cuervo, how insecure this guy is. I mean, he's starting to let it go to his head that he thinks in his mind he wants to be better than Jordan, which we know is never going to happen. He could win a title from now until until Jesus comes back, but it's not going to happen. He is not Michael Jordan. And the sooner he realizes that and he just plays like LeBron James, everything's going to be fine. But the pressure is getting to him, Cuervo. I mean, you think about it, a six-game series against Golden State with what he had, just shut your mouth and go on. Everybody looked at you and said, wow, you know, you won two games with this roster. That's all he needed to say, Cuervo. He didn't need to say anything. But I think he hurt his legacy by those comments after the game, and now everybody's going to be gunning for the guy. 
Oh, big time, Tyran. You know, for, for those people that, that thought he was an arrogant guy, to include myself, uh, I think he validated it by the, the comments that he made. But you know what? I, I'm going to defend LeBron on something, and I never thought I would do this, but I'm going to actually defend LeBron on something. Um, and, and that is the fact that the pressure that he feels about comparing himself to Michael is not his fault. Okay, it's everybody else around him <laughs> that yeah. is the reason why is that pressure is what it is. Because he, I mean, you know, did he look up to Michael? Yeah, of course. I mean, who who doesn't at that age? I have with the whole situation, Tarvin, is, is again, you know, and we've talked about it on, on Sports Talk with you guys. We've talked about it on, on with Sonny, on, on our show, and I'm sure it's been brought up here on Way in Sports. Um, when, when you have all that hype around you and everybody's telling you how great you are and you're 17 years old and you're a senior in high school, of course you're going to eat it up, you're going to soak it up, and you're going to start to really believe that you are the next, you know, prodigal son of the NBA or however you want to call it, okay, bigger than Kobe, bigger than, uh, you know, all the other uh, guys that were that were big-time Allen Iverson back in 2003 and, you know, guys like that. So is it really LeBron that kind of created that whole – uh, image of, well, you can be just as great as Michael is. No, it's everybody else around him, the media, uh, analysts, and, and all these people that that hyped him up so much to the point where now that he's 12, you know, 10, 11 years into his career and he's only got two out of six titles uh, to show for it, now they want to the same people that are bashing him. So it's like, okay, which one Which one do you want him to be? Do you want him to be the next Michael, or do you just mm-hmm. want to bag on him because he's not the next Michael? So which one is it? And, 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 and to even take that a step further, Tarvin, I don't even think his playing, his style of basketball even comes close to being compared to Jordan. He is more of a wingman, like a, like a, like a Scottie Pippen or, or, or even a Magic Johnson. It doesn't even it doesn't his game doesn't even compare to how Michael played the game. Okay, if you want to compare anybody to Michael, uh, he wears number twenty four for the Los Angeles Lakers. So it to me, I defend LeBron that aspect. Um, but um, you know, to sit here and talk about how he'll never be joined, of course he'll never be joined. That's not his style. Wow. That's not his game. So so it, it's never going to happen. You want to compare him to Magic? If you want to compare him to uh, even even Oscar Robertson, if you really want to go old school, those are guys that you would compare to LeBron James. Yeah, there's no you, you can't. And plus, it's a different era. People forget that Kobe's the dot, the last of the Jordan generation, the the type of basketball that I like to watch the most. But and and let me tell everybody out there, LeBron James is the best player that I've seen, you know, in a long time. Like, Kobe's not in his prime anymore, but you give me Kobe Bryant, I'll take him any day in his prime over LeBron James. Give me Jordan. I mean, you know, there's some other players out there before my time that probably were better, but LeBron is such a, a physical specimen. He's fast. He's he's faster than most people. He's bigger than their people. He can just bully his way in. 
and he's getting better shooting and everything. But I think you're right. I think a lot of people have put this, as soon as he came in the league, is he the next Jordan? Is he, what's he going to do? And all of a sudden he wins a title. Okay, Jordan has six or whatever. How many is LeBron going to get? I think that's an unfair comparison. But LeBron James, his comments showed that it's getting to him. It's starting to get to him because, what is he, two and four in finals? So he's had, and, and a lot of these teams, Cuervo, three of them, or two or three of them have sucked. So he's two and four, but that Cleveland team was god-awful, the one he put out on the court, and actually was was inches away from being up three to one in that series. Had LeBron James won the series, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you have to start thinking about LeBron in a different kind of category. But, you know, I'm I'm all about being humble to an extent. I don't think any – Michael Jordan was cocky as hell. I mean, we know that. He was cocky, but he, he let it on the court. He showed it. But to come out in the media and to tell after a series that you lost because you ran out of talent, I mean, that's a slap in the face to, to your organization, to your teammates, to your fans, to the game of basketball. And that's what I'm trying to go to. Who out there that plays the game today, Cuervo, actually respects the game of basketball the way it's meant to be played? It's not a team game anymore. No, no, it's not, Tarvin. And, and, and I think the problem that the NBA has is the fact that there's so lack of, um, so lack of talent and so lack of, of marketing that they're they're gonna they're gonna feed off whoever they can and for for as long as they can. And LeBron, in, in this aspect, you can compare him to Jordan when it comes to marketing. When it comes to a role, you can he is he you can make the argument that he's right there with Michael. Okay, because he does sell shoes. He does have his um, you know uh, clothing line, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he has his own actual brand, but. He feeds off of Nike and, and, and whatnot, and he does he does jersey sales and and uh, you know for the kids out there that act, you know that do buy his sneakers like in that aspect yeah he's the closest thing to Michael you know since Michael but in any other way no he's not and uh, you know the other thing too is where you you know you were talking about how he um, you know pretty much threw his teammates under the bus by saying that they weren't good at to win a championship. Um, you know that 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 I hey, Cuervo. Uh, I think we've lost you. You there? I'm here, Tar. We lost. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Sorry. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got I got you. I, I I've been hearing you the whole time. Um, what? Where, where did it cut off at? What? Man, well. What I was saying is that, you know, to throw your your team under the bus like that, yeah, that was that was pretty wrong. You know what I mean? Instead of <clears throat> instead of you know saying like, look, we're gonna get back next year. Just we didn't have what it take took or whatever. Because these are the same guys he's gonna play with next year. You don't you don't think that's gonna leave a bad taste in their mouth? As far as <laughs> well, this is the same guy, same guy that kind of. Told us we weren't good enough to win a championship, and we weren't good enough, you know, play 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 on his level or or be a teammate. In other words, and you know that's going to leave a bad taste in a lot of these guys' mouths. And you know it, it's bad enough that Kevin Love and, and LeBron, you know, publicly 
weren't the best of, of friends and teammates and things like that. And um, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if Love um, is not back with Cleveland next year. Well, you know, and and Love is another – I think I think LeBron's close to being the next Kobe Bryant where it's going to be hard to get players to want to play with him if he's not careful. He better check himself and make sure that that arrogance and attitude and that self that selfishness that I've, I've started seeing out of him, he better get it under control. Kobe's having trouble now because nobody wants to play with him anymore because he thinks he's still 23 years old and he's he's ready to, to walk off. But I'm – I'm tired of hearing about love. I mean, he hasn't done anything in my mind. The guy's overrated, overpaid. He's never there when you need him. I mean, Cleveland wasn't that good Cuervo with love. I think they were better without love. Now, Irving and, and those guys like that, they need to be on the court, I think, for LeBron to win. But love is not needed. So if you're Cleveland, do you really want love? Or do you just ship him all, let him go, and, and get a couple of more role players and add some depth to that team because I just don't think love's the answer for a championship with LeBron James. Yeah, absolutely, Tarvin. I, I'm I'm with you, man. It's you know it's it's going to be about what kind of teammate is this guy. You know, I mean, he you know he uh, and, and I think I think I think one lot of people want to talk. And I brought this up yesterday. What kind of coach do you think LeBron needs? Maybe the. T- the coaches that he's had in the past are guys that obviously he doesn't respect. He won't listen to, he disregards certain things you say and, and whatnot. And I think that plays. Well, Cuervo, uh, if you'll do me a favor and call right back in and we'll see if we can get your connection better. You're cutting in and out and that could be a blog talk radio problem, but just call back in real quick and I'll get you in. But I, I don't think the coach is the problem, Cuervo. I don't think anybody in the NBA really matters when it comes to coaching with the exception of Popovich and maybe the Hawks coach. But I just think LeBron James thinks he knows more than any coach. He runs the, he made the coach look like a fool in the finals, in my opinion. And do you really want to play for a guy like this? At least Jordan. I mean, he had Phil Jackson. Don't get me wrong, but Jordan did show respect. He did listen to the coach he, I mean, he, he may have been in the huddle talk, telling him he didn't know what he was doing, but we didn't know that. LeBron James, his antics on the court, on the sidelines, in the media, shows that the coach has no power. The last coach he had was terrible. The only guy that could kind of keep him in check was Pat Riley. And you said, you saw in Miami, Pat Riley was, was the man, and LeBron James did as he was told, really. There was Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. But it was like he was more under control. But now, you know, they, they roll out the red carpet to bring him back. And, I mean, my God, they throw parades. He thinks they've made it. The, the owners of Cleveland made it made it known that no matter what, LeBron James called the shots, really. And when you have the prisoners running the asylum there, it can get real interesting. I'm hoping Cuervo will call back. He was cutting out in a place, and he must have been in a dead area, but I'm hoping he calls back in just a minute. But LeBron James, I mean, you're the greatest right now in the game. There's no doubt about it, guy. Go out there and and lead and be an example for for everybody, all these kids looking up to, to professional athletes these days because, my God, it's changed in the last 20 years to where there's no more honor, there's no more integrity, there's no more team. 
it's all about me, me, me. LeBron James, you have an obligation making the money you make, getting the fame you do. God God reached down and touched you and gave you the the most skill and talent to play the game of basketball. Be an influence to people. And my God, I've seen it in the last few weeks is to me and I've been thinking about it more and more. What can I do personally to be a better influence on people that I come in contact with? LeBron James, there's no excuse for you to act like a 12-year-old kid and act like it all has to be about you, you, you. I mean, you could be in a factory working. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody's worked in a factory. But, I mean, you could be nothing. I mean, you're no better than anybody just because you play basketball. I mean, just because you play you, you play basketball doesn't make you better than anybody else. It's not just LeBron. This is... This is a, an epidemic throughout professional sports, and it's trickling down into the college game as well, where these guys think they're entitled. They've been told all their life how great they are, how valuable they are, worship them. And, but LeBron James has a chance to start it all over again and just play the game for, for the love of the game. And, and Cuervo, I'm, I'm glad you're back with us, but LeBron James has a good five or six years left to where he could win a few more rings and everything. When do you think LeBron James looks in the mirror and realizes that part of the problem is LeBron James? And and, and you were leaving and you were talking about the coach. Uh, I think Pat Riley is the only kind of person that could tame LeBron James. He's changed a lot since he's come over to Cleveland. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Well, you know, Tarvin, and we, again, we talked about that yesterday on, on – uh on uh, this, you know, with, with the scorekeeper and the big dog, um, you know, it, it seems like he's the old LeBron again. You know, before he went to Miami, like he 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 took what he learned in Miami, um, the lessons that Pat Riley taught him, as far as be careful who you surround yourself with, and he totally threw it all threw that all away once he decided to go back right back to Cleveland because, you know. In Miami, yes, he was a he was obviously a huge part in them getting to four straight NBA finals. However, he wasn't the quote unquote king like they treat him in Cleveland. So that right there, what that tells me is that as important as it is for him to win, uh, I think it's even more important for him to be the guy that is the center of attention all the time. And he's, you know, he's the, uh, uh, you know, he just loves attention. He, he wants to be the center of attention. Um, he wants to be yeah. the, you know, the, the end all be all. And that's where he goes wrong because now he's going back to, you know, having his, his, uh, you know, group, his crew with him all the time and, you know, Pat Riley had put an end to all that. He said, well, well who, you know, who are these guys? Who do they think they are and where do they think they're going? And, and uh, you know, Pat Riley put a stop to it. And, um, yep. you know, even though as much as LeBron hated it, 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 equaled, it equaled championship rings. So now that he's back in Cleveland, he went back to his old ways. Um, and now you see the results. You know, you, you, you got a guy that, is like I said, you know, ha- has no respect for his head coach, has very little respect for the owner, and, and I kind of understand why. But at the same time, 
he's the one that signs your paycheck. So you might want to, you might want to at least pretend <laughs> to like him a little bit. You know, exactly. So. And Cuervo, I think you did talk on this um, yesterday because I did catch a little bit of it. I was at a funeral to attend yesterday, but LeBron James not going to college, not playing for a coach like Mike Krzyzewski. Just imagine LeBron yeah. three years at Duke where, shit, I don't care how good you are, Mike Krzyzewski is Duke. He's the man. The coach in college basketball represents the university. If you don't do it his way, he'll kick you off the team or get you on the bench. Even in high school, you think a high school coach is going to really discipline LeBron when he's going to win him a state championship every year? Come on. Let's get real. But he missed yeah, out by not being able, he missed out by not having those few years to mature and actually fall under a leadership of a coach like Mike Shashevsky or a, what's that Mayheim from Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know when it comes to college, you got you got guys that can look to their coach as a mentor, and and I think that's something that LeBron never had. You know, going from high school straight to the pros, he never had that. Now everybody's going to say, well, Kobe Bryant did the same thing. Well, you got to remember when Kobe was young, he was, he, I mean, it wasn't as broadcasted, it wasn't as, and you didn't have, you didn't have uh, Twitter and you didn't have social media back then. But I'm telling you right now, if they were the same age, we'd be talking about Kobe Bryant the same way. And, um, you know, so as far as that is all concerned, I think uh, I think what you have there is you got a guy that, again, he's never really had a mentor, okay, in a basketball perspective. And you, know, and you have a guy that doesn't understand what it means to be on a team. And, and, and he came into the league with it, it you know, he had that, that – Self mentality. It's all about himself. It's all about him, him, him. And it was he doesn't he didn't ever understood what it meant to be on a team and be a team player and things like that. So I think that's yeah. where LeBron went wrong. And even if he would have went to Ohio State, stay local, stay you know stay home. A guy like Sad Mata, the coach at Ohio State, I think is a good enough coach to teach him some basic team you know team concepts and and what it means to be a leader and things like that. And, and, and you know, something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Tarvin, I've never really felt like LeBron was a leader. LeBron is, has always been things. He's, it's always been a situation with LeBron James where he just so happens to be the best player on the court, and that's why everybody gives him yeah. so much attention. You know, he's he's not an alpha male. He's not a leader. He's not a guy that – really makes – I don't believe he makes guys around him better. It's just he's so damn more talented than everybody else that it's the perception of, mm-hmm. well, he makes Deladova better. Oh, he makes Tristan Thompson better. No, those guys no. just kind of started doing the right thing at the right time. That's all. That was timing when it came to that stuff. Deladova got the opportunity to play because Kyrie Irving got hurt. If Kyrie Irving never would have gotten hurt, we still wouldn't know who the backup point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers is. So it was more about timing with those guys. You know, Kevin Love gets hurt. Irving gets hurt. Barajal gets hurt. If Barajal doesn't get hurt, he, they never trade for Timothy Mozgov. So, you know, to sit here and say LeBron makes guys around him better, I don't agree with that necessarily. And it's not because of the hate that I have for LeBron. It's, it's just my perception of it. It's, he's so much more Whoa. talented than everybody else. That it, 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 it reminds me of Durant. Like he, make, he makes everybody better. 
Yeah, he reminds yeah, me of Durant's yeah. wear, Bone. I mean, it's, he's it's, Durant's talented. Yeah, he's talented, but he's never the one on the court, the leader. I look at a leader, and, like, when I look at Michael Jordan, he's a leader. He would get in your face. He wouldn't try to humiliate you, but if you're not doing your job to help him win, he's in your face. Kobe, the same way. The leader. Shaq, Shaq was never a leader. You know, Shaq understood that. And uh, right. I just... I'm going to have to mute you just for one second, Cuervo. I'm getting a lot of static, and I'm going to check my phone, too, to make sure it's it's not mine. Let me just check this. But, I mean, the leadership thing, you are not you don't learn to be a leader. So if, if everybody thinks that LeBron James is going to all of a sudden decide, hey, I'm going to be a leader, it's not that easy. People are born leaders. They're born followers. And then you have a category of pretenders. And if he starts trying to act like it, we know he's a pretender. LeBron James, a great, great talent. I'm not sitting here trying to deny that. I've always known how talented he was. Cuervo, you know how talented he is. But he's not just going to start next year and be a leader. People on the court do not look at him as a leader. He doesn't even communicate with his own teammates. He goes over to himself, does his own thing. He doesn't try to make people around him better. He just expects them to do good so he can win. But I just don't think LeBron cares about anyone else. If that was the case, he would have he would have bonded more with love and tried to make it a team, Cuervo, but he just kind of let love do his thing and never did anything. That that was a red flag for me. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and even even in Miami, I mean, it was I never really saw that from him. It was I mean, I, I think Dwayne Wade's more of a leader than LeBron is. I think that yeah. um, you know, Guys like that, you're talking about, you know, guys that truly have that that voice that you need, that that presence, that you know, like I said, the alpha male. And well, you know, when you're talking about Dwayne, you're talking about a guy that that did go to college, that did play in a in an elite eight with Marquette or however far they got in, in the tournament. So he understands what it means to really truly be a part of a team. And and I don't think LeBron ever – he didn't experience that in high school because it, it, it's, it's different. Like you said, you think a high school coach is going to really, you know, uh, no. you know, put the, put the hammer down on him if he does something wrong? No. The, that guy is riding the train just like everybody else did when he came out of high school – and um, you know the money train and, and and the TV and all the all the exposure that the school was getting. Well, those guys he could have went out and robbed a bank and and everybody would just turn a blind eye to it because, hey, we're getting exposure. Uh, you know the, the school's getting exposure. Everybody's throwing well, money yeah, away, and, you know, and all that stuff. So it, it's crazy. It was crazy. And, and you know what? I think it's this Thursday night. I don't mean to talk about LeBron James forever, and I apologize for that. But the NBA draft is, is going to mm-hmm. be on, Cuervo. Yeah, it is. It's on Thursday. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was looking at something on ESPN, and it started playing on my iPad. I'm sorry. I didn't want you to be hearing what I was listening to. But <laughs> the NBA draft, you know, the difference between the NFL draft, you know, the season's over seems like an eternity before that draft comes. Basketball's over a week later, or we're doing the draft, and which team is going to fall sucker and take that kid Okafor out of Duke early? I mean, tell me 
in your opinion, Towns is going to be the number one pick for Minnesota. Don't you agree? There's no other number one on that board, in my opinion. Tell me what you think, Cuervo. Convince me if you think so. Who's number one? Um, who's got who's number one picking in Minnesota, right? Minnesota and then the Lakers. Then the Lakers. Um, you know, um, Anthony Towns, I think is it, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the worst pick. Um, but I think you have to look at Jalil Okafor out of Duke as well. Um, I mean, you're talking about a kid that, no. um, you know, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> he, he, come on, Tarvin. I mean, you're talking about a big man who, who climbed all the way to the top as a freshman, won an NCAA title, um, and, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't quite understand what it means to be a leader because he had, he had juniors and seniors on the team, but, I mean, that's okay, though, because you've got guys that he's not expected to be, um, you know, the the the, the right-of-way, um, you know, second coming of, of Kevin Garnett up there in Minnesota. I mean, he's going to be a guy that is going to be learning and things like that under under some of the veterans and whatnot. And um, I don't know. Personally, I, I think Okafor would be just as good of a pick as, as, as Towns would would be, um, but I think either way they go, um, those guys are going to be one and two, so, they, you know, Minnesota can oh. go either way, and I think, I think they'll be all right, and the Lakers will pick whoever, you know, the other guy. Well, see, I'll tell you this about Towns. He's a, he's more physical. He's tougher. He can shoot better, and, and I just think he has a better pedigree in my mind. I think Okafor, one thing about him, he cannot play a lick of defense, and, and just say if you're if you're the Lakers and you pick him or something. Uh, and I heard Colin Coward talking about this, and it made sense. It made sense when he, when he said it. You're going to put a, a terrible defender on the Lakers, and that's already what they have. And now you're going to be expected to guard Curry, Thomas, all those guys from Golden State for the next few years. So the Lakers better be careful that they don't fall in the trap of, of getting this guy. And in Krzyzewski's interview talking about him, and, and one thing he said is, like, he needs a lot of polishing. Like, just a lot. He's not ready to come in and play at this level. So, if you're going to pick somebody at the top two or three, they're expected to come and play immediately. I guarantee you Towns will start immediately for Minnesota and probably be an all-star within three years. But he will contribute. I just think Okafor could be a bust. And there's another kid. You know the guy from Wisconsin. What's his name? It slipped my mind all of a sudden, the big guy. You know, oh, yeah. you know what I'm Minsky. talking about. Yeah, I think he's a bust. I don't I think, think he's going to be that good either. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Willie you. Collie, I don't think Willie, Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein is projected at number eight. I, I watched him at Kentucky, and Cuervo, I'm just not impressed. I mean – Okay, you get four you get four points, twelve boards and four blocks. Really? Who cares? I mean, this guy's terrible and I just don't understand what everybody out there is saying. And but but one thing I wanted to bring to your attention, Cuervo, in the projection. The fourth guy and the fourth, fifth and sixth picks, one's from Latvia, one's from China, and one's from Croatia. Are you really do you really think people haven't learned their lesson yet to quit trying to to take these players early from these countries. I mean, I would rather have a guy in college that played and proved himself there, wouldn't you, than in China or, or somewhere like that. Yeah, I mean, 
honestly, Tarvin, it's very rare that you that you draft a guy top ten from from one of the European leagues that turns out to be a gem. Okay, there's there there's only so many Dirk Nowitzki's out there, and there's only so many um, you know guys that come over from overseas and and, and really <laughs> make an immediate impact in the NBA. So you're just not going to find those guys and. Dirk is really the only guy to, in today's game that you can say came from those leagues, unless I'm missing someone, that really no. made an immediate impact on, on their on their team in the NBA. Some of them don't even come to the NBA until two or three years after. You know, for example, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you, you heard the name before, but for the Chicago Bulls, my Chicago Bulls, you had a rookie by the name of Nikola Miritich. Uh, came over from the Spanish League and um, did very well his rookie year. And I think he was the runner-up to Andrew Wiggins for Rookie of the Year. Well, what a lot of people may not know is that the Bulls actually drafted the rights to him three years ago. And he just came to the league last year. So that's another risk that you take, Tarvin, is if you're going to draft one of these guys, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're coming over the very next year. Ricky Rubio in Minnesota did the same thing. So you, it, it's it's a high risk, high reward with those guys from the European leagues and, and, and from you know China and, and from where, Australia. You know the kid the, uh, for the Utah Jazz that they drafted from Australia. Uh, it's very rare that they actually come over after their first year and uh, play, and not just play, but actually have an impact on their on their team. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, in the NBA drafts this week, we'll discuss it, but I'm I'm interested to see what the Lakers do. I'm interested to see what the Cavs can do to build around LeBron, and it, it's just not like the NFL, Quiver. This show we built, we, I, I built this show on. We built this show, should I say, on football, football, and more football, Quiver, and that's what we're going to get into tonight. I know you're probably foaming at the mouth, but I do have to ask you this question, and I need your honest honest assessment here, Mr. Cuervo. Cam Newton's big contract he signed, I mean, it's a huge, huge contract. What do you think about it, and did the Panthers do the right thing by doing this? I didn't catch the last part, Tarvin. I heard you say something about your boy Cam Newton. Yeah, the contract he signed. I mean, you know, it's big money. I mean, a lot of guaranteed mm-hmm. money as well. Did Carolina make the right decision? Because I look at it like this. Who else would Carolina get to be able to do what Cam Newton's done? Quarterbacks are not a dime a dozen. I wanted to see your thought, hear your thoughts on Cam Newton's contract. Did he deserve it? Did he earn it? What do you think? No, I don't think – I honestly – I don't think he, he's earned it yet, Tarvin. At the same time, though, it was the right decision because, of like, like you just said, um, if you don't re-sign Cam Newton, unless unless you somehow pull off the the robbery of the century and you trade for like Aaron Rodgers or you trade for you know <laughs> somebody like that who <laughs> who's already in the prime of their <laughs> career, you're not going to get better. You're not going to upgrade much more than what you have already with Cam Newton. So um, has he has he earned that type of money that he got? No. But unfortunately in the NFL, that is the one position where 
you you know you you have to bite the bullet and you know pay for your guy your you know the guy that you have i mean <laughs> look look at look at Jay Cutler in Chicago that guy ain't worth a you know yeah. half the money that he's making but if it wasn't going to be Jay that they signed to the big deal then you know what other options are out there and you know, re-signing McCown and making him the guy. I mean, look how that turned out. It, it was a disaster for the for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. So, um, unfortunately, that's the nature of the business. Though, if if you want to have at least a chance, then you you have to lock up your quarterback. And and for for Carolina, their guy is, is Cam Newton. So, um, he, he's not necessarily worth the money, in my opinion, Tarvin. But at the same time, the, the Panthers did do the right thing by signing him. To the I think there's, deal. I think there's several, and I agree with everything you said up there. Everything, and I think there's just a couple, few, maybe just uh, several quarterbacks that are worth that money. Andrew Luck, um, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are it. I mean, but you, I mean, you don't find these guys anymore. I don't know what's happened to the quarterback play. Maybe his college has moved more to the spread. And you look at these players like Brady, Andrew Luck, and Rodgers, they're just pure, pure pocket passers. They can, they, they can thread a needle. They're smart. But college, I mean, name me a quarterback in college right now, Cuervo, that you could say, wow, can't wait to see him get to the NFL. I can't think of one. Yeah, that's because there isn't one. <laughs> there isn't one. I don't know. You don't get Andrew Lucks every year. You don't get you know, Peyton Manning, you don't get Cam Newtons every year. You don't get those type of guys where, you know, it's a guy that wows you from, you know, coming out of college. It's And it may not happen again for another five years. The, the, the next the next big thing at the, at the quarterback position may not even be in college yet. Like, that's how I think that's how lack of talent at the quarterback position we have in college right now. I, I really yeah. – Unless I'm missing somebody, I really don't think there's a guy right now that that we have our eye on that can say, man, that guy can make an immediate impact on an NFL franchise. Unless the offenses start changing in the NFL, I think, you know, the entertainment level in the NFL, people like scoring. They like these quarterbacks. They like fantasy numbers. They may have to change fantasy scoring for quarterbacks just to, to get a few points for quarterbacks because the spread, the hurry up, spread people out in college football is being taught by more and more and more teams and coaches. These camps, that's all they focus on. So, But the NFL seems like a league. It's just like now you have to fit into our model. And I just don't think a lot of quarterbacks right now – I mean, Cam Newton can throw. That's one good thing about him. And he can run. But there's some of these quarterbacks like Mariota that was drafted I don't think he's going to be that good. I think Winston has a shot, but it's just the quarterback position is so you're so desperate right now. You will hang on to Cam Newton, and you will pay him any amount of money that you have to. Same with Russell Wilson right now. He's proven himself. You pay the man. You don't want you don't want the, uh, your enemy getting him. I mean, Carolina doesn't want Arizona or or the Falcons or Tampa Bay to to end up getting Cam Newton and then come back and punish them. But I. I think Cam's worth the money. And wherever, one thing we had not talked about, and I'm going to move off Cam Newton real quick, is the jersey sales he provides. I mean, he's a smiling face. I mean, he's like an advert. He's a marketing genius in a way. He, he's making this franchise a lot of money, not just 
by what he does on the field, but off the field too. And one thing I'll tell you about Cam real quick before we move off to it, he's never really been in trouble. He's never done anything stupid besides that laptop thing when he was a kid at Florida. So he's he's keeping it clean. He's keeping it about football and building his brand. And I think even after football, Cam Newton could could be into acting, be into modeling or something like that. He's a smart guy. Yeah, and and he's got a he's got a, he's got the character for it. You know, he's not like you know one of these like stiff type character guys like uh, you know like Eli Manning or or one of those guys. Cam's got a personality, and, and as long as he doesn't lose that, then then I think he's going to be you know he could be a guy that can um, you know sell himself um, as well as the NFL yeah. if that's what he decides to do. You like like honestly. I can see him being a really funny, like, Saturday Night Live host or something like that. I think he'd be good for something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I there's think he'd something be more to him. Yeah, there's something more to him besides just some football player. Like, you know, you see some of them, like Andrew Luck, there's nothing he's going to be doing with his life besides football. Peyton Manning, I'm sorry. He has a personality of my toilet here. I mean, he's a, he's a great quarterback, but he, he just, he's just a prude in a way. People – Life's changing. Football's changing. People need more uh, sales. They need more of a personality. They want to know you on Twitter. They want you to talk to them on Facebook. You know, this world's changing a lot. And if you don't adapt, you're going to get left behind. And pretty soon Brady's going to be out of the league. You know, some of these quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, all these guys, and the new generation of quarterbacks coming in, what's going to happen? I mean, wherever we don't see quarterbacks anymore. I don't – Winston and Mariota, both of them stuck to me. I mean, I'm not impressed with either one of them. Do I think either one of them is going to have anything in the NFL? No. So what is the NFL going to do in order to keep the interest in the game? Because if we have a bunch of Joe Flacco's or people like that and Jay Cutler's running the NFL, I mean, I think people are going to quit watching after a while. I think I think what they need to do, Tarvin, honestly, and and – who knows where this conversation is going to go from here, but I think they need to lighten up on the um, on the consequences for doing things like being on social media. Now, if you do something dumb like post a picture of yourself with, like, you know, a, a, a woman that's not your spouse or something like that, then, yeah, yeah, you're asking for trouble. But if you're, you know, saying, you know, like, for example, oh, you can't tweet, uh, an hour prior to the game, or something like that. Like, how how does that affect the outcome of the game at all, whatsoever? Like, how does that affect anything? Uh, but yet they get they get fined for it, they get punished for it, and I think it's dumb. And I think the NFL needs to look at okay, what really truly affects players. Um, when it comes to social media and and their performance on the field and what doesn't. And tweeting something like, oh, can't wait for the game, you know, an hour before the game, doesn't have an impact at all. So I think it's dumb. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, we're going to move on from the NFL real quick to the favorite thing we like to talk about right now in college football. A lot of preseason magazines out. We've talked about it. The AP has come out predicting Auburn and Ohio State to play for it. 
it's just like I told you on the last show, be careful of the preseason magazines that you read. Be careful of who they're telling you is going to be out there because I see a lot of people jumping on the same bandwagon as some of these guys thinking. These guys, look, it's impossible to know how every college football team is going to do. NFL is a little different. You can actually predict that a lot better. You look at Cuervo and I, we're going to do predictions when it comes to NFL time. You look at what Sonny, Cuervo, and I, Trey, Big Dog, Roger, we predict will be pretty accurate and pretty close because NFL is easier to predict. There's fewer teams. We know the players. We know the quarterbacks. It's easy to learn 32 teams compared to 200. So a lot of preseason people out here, and they make the mistake of, and I'm going to bring Cuervo back on in just a second, but they, they make the mistake of, okay, you won nine games last year. You have everybody returning. You should win a national championship or be better this year. That's not how football works. You can have a worse team and actually have a better record. People always underestimate the luck factor in football. Let's look at Auburn in 2010. Won a national championship, went undefeated. Had a good little team. Had a dynamic quarterback. But as talented as Cam Newton was, they could have easily been 7-5, and 8-4. and four. The ball bounced their way. 2013, this Auburn team went from 3-9 and nine to winning the SEC and playing Florida State, seconds away from a championship. Ball bounced their way. You remember the kick six in the Iron Bowl? You can't predict that, people. The, the Hail Mary in the Georgia game were deflected off of a Georgia defender and it hit Auburn in stride for a touchdown to win the game. Auburn could have lost four or five games that year. The schedule is the most important thing to me that I look at. I mean, once I I realize who's coming back and everything, but one thing you cannot predict is luck. And now Ohio State's one of those picks this year where people are out there, they look at it, they realize it's a good team coming back from a national championship team. So the luck factor to me doesn't matter as much because everybody Ohio State plays is beneath them. There's – in the SEC, where Auburn's playing Alabama, not much separates them. Where Auburn's playing Mississippi State, there's not much separation. Ole Miss, Georgia, Louisville, all these teams that they play, and Cuervo can talk about it in just a second, there's one bad call, one fumble can change an entire game. Where Ohio State's playing Northwestern or Purdue or Illinois, they could fumble the ball five times and still win by four touchdowns. People just, they all of a sudden just think that because so-and-so returns eight starters on defense, that it's going to be a great defense. You never know what can happen in college football. And Cuervo, I mean, tell me what you, what, what you think about what I said, but also how do you go about, when you look at the preseason predictions, how do you go about determining, just say, if Tennessee is going to be good this year? What factors do you look at? Well, I mean, the, num- the number one thing is, is what you just said, Tarvin, and that's schedule. You know, I look at the schedule for Tennessee this year. Um, yeah, they got to go to the swamp, okay? They have to play Oklahoma again. Now this time they get to play them at home. That's Oklahoma. So, they're, you know, they're still a powerhouse. I mean, they're still going to be, um, you know, a team that's going to be a national threat, uh, in my opinion. And we, we, you know, we talked about how overrated they are. But um, when it comes to playing Tennessee, they're probably – you know, you know, that's a that's a game that's very winnable for Oklahoma. Um, I think they play LSU this year, so 
you know, right there off the bat, I have to say, and this isn't even looking at their roster, okay, as excited as I am about uh, Joshua Dobbs coming back, you know, for his uh, junior year, things like that, and um, the depth that uh, Butch Jones is creating over there, um, those are games that I just I have a hard time saying that they can win just because of the fact that they're at Florida. They're playing Oklahoma and whatnot. So the number one thing is schedule. And number two, yeah, you can start to look into the roster. Um, but you, you also got to look at not just the fact that, oh, well, they have eight starters coming back like you mentioned. Okay, yeah, eight starters are back. Which three did they lose, though? Were they impact players? Were they guys that were just kind of like guys that just kind of made a play here, made a play there? Or are you talking about an impact player guy, kind of like a Nick Fairley at Auburn when, you know, after they won the national title, uh, he was a huge part of that, of that defense over there at Auburn or a Cam Newton. I mean, those are guys that Auburn lost and that played a huge part in why they had such a down year going into the following year. And, um, you know, so, so when it comes to that stuff, yeah, I mean, that does play a factor, but, I think, like you said, schedule will always uh, – it'll always, um, you know, be over whether you've got certain guys coming back or not because, you know, injuries can happen. You know, unpredictable things can happen. Anything can happen in the season. So you can't always put your eggs in that basket of, oh, well, you know, Ohio State's got all three of the quarterbacks coming back. And so we're we're primed for another national title. Well, what if what if uh, one decides to transfer last second and then another one decides he doesn't want to play or, or, you know, I mean, a lot of things can happen. So schedule will always yeah. trump uh, the roster. And that's why, that's why I, I was very close, very, very close to picking the final four correct. I got three out of four. The fourth team was a Big Ten team, but it wasn't Ohio State. So I, yeah. I, I do have to pat myself on the back a little bit, but, uh, you know, three out of four, uh, didn't get that fourth one. Well, well if you look at Auburn 2013, Cuervo, they, they, they returned a lot of people last year, you know, they, you know, but one thing that stood out to me was, if, and especially at the end of the season, you look at it, five road games and you had Kansas State at night on the road, you had Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. I don't care how good of a team you are, or what you're bringing back to to navigate that schedule and to think you're going to win a national championship, it requires luck. It requires people being healthy. Auburn lost Carl Lawson in the spring that year, which gave them no pass rush. The defense was terrible, and it wore them out playing that schedule, where if you look at Ohio State, when they're they're playing a bunch of patsies, it really doesn't matter who's coming back. They have four- and five-star players. They have a great coach they're going to win the majority of their games unless they just get very unlucky. So what I'm trying to give advice and what you're telling people, Cuervo, the same thing, before you start saying your team's going to win and play in the playoffs, look at the schedule. Look at Alabama this year. I mean, this is a very tough schedule for Bama. I know there's a lot of Bama fans that listen to this radio, Cuervo. I've noticed Alabama, and I know they only lost two games last year, but they're starting to – to drop off a little bit, and they've had favorable schedules. So now when we look at the Alabama Crimson Tide, Cuervo, let's look at their road game or 
first. They start off against Wisconsin and Dallas. I think they'll win, but you never know what Wisconsin's going to do. And then they go to Georgia, to Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, and at Auburn. I mean, those are – tell me what you think, but really that's four road games in a neutral. That's not easy for Alabama compared to last year where they went to Ole Miss, to Arkansas, to Tennessee, and to LSU. You've got Auburn, Mississippi State on that schedule right now, and Georgia. So Alabama, without a quarterback, Cuervo, they could be in some trouble this year. Do you do you agree with that? I, I can see that, Tarvin. However, I, we all thought that last year too, and they were they were a game away from making another national title. So I think sure. as long as Nick Saban's there, they're they're always going to be a threat, and they're always going to be right there in the mix. But but again, you make a great point. You know, all those road games and things like that. Mississippi State could be a team that can that can be a threat again. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about Ole Miss too much, but uh, Mississippi State, I think, will be back. LSU will always be, as long as Les Miles is their coach, they're going to be a threat. So, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a really interesting year, I think, in the SEC. Um, you know, with a lot of a lot of the changes that were made as far as um, you know, little things like. Uh, you didn't have an SEC team play in the national championship game, so now people are gonna—they're gonna think that they're on—you know—oh, they can be beaten. Now, I think the reality of it is we're gonna—you know—the SEC is gonna show again who's boss. But um, I think it's gonna be a tough road. Whoever whoever makes it at the end is um, it's gonna be a thing that's gonna have things, certain things. Yeah, I totally agree. And. But let's look at, you know, we had Auburn last year. We talked about their five road games against top ten teams. This year, early in the season, a day game at LSU, at Kentucky, at Arkansas, and at A&M. To me, that's a lot better schedule for them. So just say me picking Auburn this year in the playoff, if I do, compared to last year, makes a lot more sense because I have a lot more ammunition to be able to come and tell you why. And based off what they have returning, their talent, their recruiting, and that schedule. To be able to play LSU at 3.30 in the afternoon early in the season, because LSU usually dominates people towards the end. They get rolling. Uh, but with a quarterback inconsistency, one of their quarterbacks arrested just in the over the weekend. I mean, I can look at I'd rather play Kentucky and Arkansas on the road than I would go to Georgia and Alabama, of course. Having Georgia and Alabama at home, that's the kind of things I'm looking at. And I look at the Clemson Tigers. You look at Clemson, what they have to deal with, that's my team in the ACC this year. I know everybody is on that Florida State bandwagon, how great and talented they are. True, they are talented. But I look at their schedule and I look at Clemson's. We're Clemson's road games right now, Cuervo, at Louisville, um, at Miami, at NC State, and at South Carolina, where their home games, they have Notre Dame at home, Georgia Tech at home, Boston College, Florida State, Wake Forest. So I look at stuff like that with the schedule. Let's go to Florida State on the road at Boston College, at Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson, at Florida. Um, that Clemson-Florida State game, Cuervo, could be – who wins the ACC, really. That's how big it is, home field. So who do you like between Clemson and Florida State if you had to pick today? 
Uh, if I had to pick today, Tarvin, um, I think by uh, by the slimmest of margins, that you said that Florida State Clemson game is going to be at Florida State. No, it's at Clemson. Yeah, see that that right there. What that tells me is that um, you know with with a new quarterback at Florida State, um, you know they lost they lost a couple of their receivers. They lost guys on defense. Um, you know, I don't know if Florida State is in that uh, we don't rebuild, we reload uh, system type just yet. Um, I think I think I'm with you. I think I I would give a slight advantage to Clemson. I think they're just a a little more um, established, a little more deep, and uh, I think I think I think I, I think I would have to say that right now. Clemson would probably be the, the better pick. Um, now that could change, but um, right now, I mean, you look at Clemson, how close they've gotten in years past. Uh, you know, eventually they're gonna they're gonna get over that hump and they're gonna find a way to to get to that yeah. next level. And I, I agree totally. And starting in July, way in sports talk is gonna start breaking down these teams, these conferences. We're waiting. I have to wait though. I have a rule. I don't start until after the 4th of July. We have a lot of teams to cover, a lot of conferences. I need a little more information, but we're going to personally go through two to three teams every show, two shows a week, until we can navigate this schedule. But, Cuervo, before we go tonight, I have a topic I wanted to bring up. And I wanted to see what you thought and the listeners thought about. Uh, I don't know if you're Mm -hmm. familiar, if you've kept up with it, the stipends that now the, the extra benefits per student, per athlete, to sign with a different school. I don't know if you if you kept up to that, but there's a lot of teams that can get more money for kids coming for a scholarship than some of the other ones. And it would be so it would surprise you the list. And I'm gonna read the list in a few minutes. But what do you think about Auburn being able to pay almost six thousand dollars per student where Alabama can only pay three thousand? Is that fair and how big of a difference is that gonna make in recruiting? Well, I think it makes a huge difference because money talks, you know, and when, 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 when Benjamins are involved with, you know, cause that's everybody's best friend, Ben, everyone knows Benjamin, everybody's friends with Benjamin and everybody likes Benjamin. So, um, yeah, everybody, uh, you know, the, the more, the more Ben's you have, the more Benjamins you have, the, the better chance you're going to have of, uh, recruiting these kids. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, slimy way of doing it, I guess you could say, but it's going to work and it's going to get kids to commit. And, um, you know, from that point, the, 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 the recruiters and the coaches have done their job. They've got these kids to commit and they're going to play for their football team. And, um, you know, it's like I said, it's just money talks and, and that's all you really need. It's, you know, you know, you can sit here and talk about, well, these kids should know better and blah. Go back to when you were eighteen, a senior in high school, and you know you're 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 a top um, prospect in 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 your state for football. Whether you know, no matter what position you play, you mean to tell me that if you went back to when you were eighteen, you would deny money because it's the quote unquote right thing to do? Come on, get out of here. You're eighteen years old. You think all you think about are girls and cars and money. That's it. That's all you care about. That's all that matters in yeah. life. Well, football comes around when when it's that time, but any other time of the year, especially in the summer, it's all about girls, cars, and money. That is it. 
Yeah. When the fact that Tennessee and Auburn are the top two in the country at paying, Tennessee is 5,666, Auburn 5,586. But I think we have a huge problem because this could be somebody's waiting to choose between. And here, tradition doesn't mean anything to kids these days. You're right. Money, fame, women, whatever they can get their hands on. But you've got a kid that loves Auburn and Alabama wants to go, and all of a sudden they're going to get a $6,000 check handed to them by Auburn if they sign or a $3,000 check by Alabama. I mean, that's a big deal. I don't think people realize this is not a good thing for college athletics because I think everyone should have the same payout. But when you run into a problem, how is Troy, how is Southern Miss going to pay the same kind of money as, say, Auburn or Alabama or Florida State? And and that's another problem we're going to run up with. What do you think about every school gets to say, if you're going to do this, Every athlete gets $3,000 regardless. That way, because Dabo spoke about this, he's upset because these are not made by the athletic departments. This is by the finance departments of how profitable your school, how much they're going to be willing to pay. And Auburn even said they're they're willing to go back up actually more, another $1,000. So this could be a war going on for recruits. You talk about some dirty recruiting right now. My God. I mean, what, what are you going to do if you're Alabama? Say, kid, I know we can't pay as much as Auburn, but here's ten grand from a booster I'm going to give you. That's what you're going to be running into. And that, and that's and that's the loophole around it, Tarvin. Is you may not get that extra money from the from the school, but you got people that work for the school that's going to shake your hand with a you know with the with a little stack of hundred dollar bills or. You know, you may just have to seriously find some uh, a, a blank envelope in your mailbox with, you know, $2,000 in there or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, those are the numbers that are being reported based off of the school's profits. But you, we're not talking about the outside sources here. We're not talking about the resources yeah. that these schools have. For example, I'll give you a big one. And, and, and this is a school that I'm sure everybody and their brother has a tie to is the U, Miami, University of Miami. And that's going to be a school that I think, you want to talk about paying some money and, and being able to sell, uh, you know, things like South Beach. And you got the you got the girls, you got the, the money, you got whatever, you know, like Miami, I think, is a, is a program that could really benefit from uh, the way that that aspect is going to play out. And, um you know, as far as the, the schools, like you were talking about Southern Miss and Troy and all those schools, the kid, the type of kids that those schools are going to get, Tarvin, are going to be the kids that want to stay close to home, you know, because they help, you know, they help mom and dad on, uh, you know, working back home and things like that, and they want to stay close to home. Or, and this happens a lot in the South, and, and you can you could disagree, you could tell me I'm wrong if you'd like, but from what I remember, you got some parents that will just 100% totally, utterly refuse to let their kid even think about leaving anywhere near home. No, my son is not going to go play for the University of Georgia because I am Auburn alumni. Or uh, I know my son will not play for Alabama because I don't like Nick Saban. My son is staying right here, and he's going to play for Southern Miss or, or whatever the case may be. Because you got those parents who are very stern on their kids, and 
the kids would be like, hey, mommy and daddy said, I, I'm not going, so I'm not going. Don't call me no more. And and that's it's a done deal. And that's how yep. it is in the South. Now, tell me I'm wrong, Tarver. I could be wrong, but that's, yeah. that's how I remember it. You're right. And, I mean, it, it just blows my mind that Rutgers can pay more than Alabama right now. Alabama, $2,800 is what they're able to pay. And I don't, Kansas, I don't understand that at all. Kansas is 3000 LSU three thousand, Maryland thirty one hundred. So I just, you know, it's like a company. You know, we work. If, if I'm, if there's two jobs exactly the same, one pays me a hundred thousand, one's going to pay me a hundred and twenty thousand, and everything's equal. I'm choosing the hundred and twenty thousand. But what if that that company that's a hundred thousand is more of a reputable company? What if it has better retirement benefits? What if they negotiate vacation more with you? So really. Is that twenty thousand dollars worth the the future benefits? And I think that's how you got to look at it. If you don't go to Alabama because they only give you three thousand dollars, then do you really do you think Alabama really wants you there? Because at the end of the day, I don't understand how they come up with these numbers. I don't understand all of it. But if that's your final decision, is whether you're going to make a couple grand, and you're probably not the right fit for the school anyway. But you know, kids, Cuervo, you deal with them every day. And your job, this is a big deal in college athletics right now, and it's going to be huge in recruiting. These teams that can't pay are not going to get the players, especially when we're talking about, like, Mississippi State and Auburn or Clemson's and Auburn are battling for somebody or Southern Cal. They're paying like Lois as anybody of any team battling somebody. Something needs to be done because this is going to get out of hand. And you talk about – them under the hand, under under the table cheating going on now. Imagine now what's going to happen. Now these boosters see it in writing that Alabama can only give such amount of money. They're going to be more bold. They're going to be more aggressive. That's when you get caught, Clairebo, is when you start getting desperate. You make mistakes. You get sloppy, and all of a sudden the NCAA is shutting your program down. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think I think uh, <laughs> and and I'm not an Urban Meyer hater. Uh, however, I think one of the first programs we could hear about is Ohio State, um, because as as you mentioned before, Urban Meyer is a snake in the grass, and and you want to talk <laughs> about a snake becoming a python? That's going to be Urban Meyer. He's gonna, he's going to become one of you know a, a damn python in the grass. He's not even a garden snake anymore. He's, he's going to get yeah, he's going to get crazy cobra. in Columbus. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. <laughs> the king. Right. So, I, and because you think about it, you know now now in the Big Ten, you got you got some guys Arbaugh up there in Ann Arbor, okay. Urban Myers, he's he will find a way to get the the advantage over Michigan, over um, and all the other you know Wisconsin. Like he's got to worry about yeah. those are the three ones. Even even Penn State could be a team that could show up here in the next couple of years and, and be a a contender for the Big Ten. But uh, I think think since we you know since we've heard so much about Urban Meyer in the past and and whatnot, I mean don't, just don't be shocked if we hear about Ohio and you know some yeah. shenanigans. Well, Cuervo, I'm gonna have to. Uh cut this show just a little bit short, but thanks for joining me tonight. Um, think about yeah, the callers me. out there. Yeah, think about all the callers out there about this 
excited and what it means for your school, what's your fears, what what do you think could happen with the NCAA? What I mean, do you agree with what they're doing? Do you disagree? So next show we have Sunday night, I'd like for people to call in and, and discuss this. I know I didn't give much notice tonight we were going to do a show program, but we'll be back next Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Cuervo. Hope you can join us. Everybody out there, have a great week, and we'll start being more consistent now that football's getting close, and we'll talk to you soon, Cuervo. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.